Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, good morning, Passion Life Church. Anybody grateful for God's amazing grace? Let me see your hands. You're thankful for God's amazing grace. Well, we're in this series, and we're calling it simply Grace, Discovering the Heart of God. And that's really our goal. It's my prayer that as you leave here today, you just see Jesus like you've never seen him before, and uh, that you will understand his heart for you, his heart for people. And this is part three, and we're just looking at grace. So many people have different ideas of what that means, and we're trying to clarify. And we have two more weeks in this series, and I may do uh, what I call a third week, which would be the remix. How many of you like remixes? That's where you take parts of the teaching and you add new stuff, but with the old, with the cooler little hipper beat. Come on, somebody. And so we may do a remix on grace, but I just want to encourage you, if you've missed some of the series, please go to passionlifechurch.com and uh, download that. And, uh, and so you can just keep on tracking with, with, uh, with us. And this week, I've heard about five testimonies just from last week's service about the grace message I talked with a woman uh, this week who just said her life was stuck. She's been praying and she didn't understand why. She just wasn't moving forward. But she said last week's message on no condemnation so helped her to get unstuck. Because how many of you know the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And what grace will do is grace will always point you to Jesus. And I'm thankful for God's grace. This morning, I want to talk about how God can qualify the unqualified. And we're going to look about how we respond to grace. We respond to grace through faith. So if you have your Bibles, come on, turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. And as you're turning there, you know, I think a lot about God's grace. And I think what we can see today as we talk about faith, we can see a lot about faith regarding this woman that we're going to look at. And let me just give you a little history of what we're about to read. Jesus is walking through a crowd and he's walking through a crowd because he's going to heal a little girl who is on her deathbed. And as he's going, he's going to be interrupted by a woman who's got some issues. Did you find Matthew chapter 9, verse 20? Let's look at this. It says this, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood. Somebody say, she's got issues. Turn to your neighbor real quick and just say, she's got issues. How many of you know that feels good to say somebody else has issues? And I've realized it's good to say somebody else has issues because usually we don't like to talk about our issues. We like to talk about other people's. So she's got issues. And the Bible says that this woman was diseased with an issue of blood for 12 years. And she came behind him. Who's he? Jesus. She came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that very hour. Woo! That's the power of Jesus. 
You know, the other day I was at the mall and just walking and, and I, I'm a people observer. I love watching people. It's free entertainment. I do. I love it. And I saw this teenager walking. He had a black shirt on and with these big bold letters, his shirt said, I have issues. And I looked at that and I loved that shirt. And I'm going to tell you why I love that shirt. Because in 25 years of counseling people, you can ne never get people to move beyond where they are because some people won't admit where they are. Some people won't be honest about the issues that they have in their lives. And unlike this young man wearing that shirt, I said, you are at step one. You understand that you have issues. Now, can I just give you a little help this morning? If you're here and you are like, man, all my friends have issues. Everybody that I come in contact have issues. Uh, you probably are the one that has the issue. Because not everybody around you has issues. And if you're pointing your finger and go, man, this person has issues, this person. Usually it's not the other people. Usually it can be you. And we start with being honest about where we're at. And this woman, listen, the fact was is that she was hemorrhaging blood for 12 years of her life. She had a blood issue. But she didn't deny the fact that she had an issue. Listen, she just didn't focus on that. See, a lot of us, if we don't think about this, we can, under, we can come to a place where we realize or we can focus so much on the issue that we don't focus on Jesus. And we focus on us and we focus on what's going on with us, but we don't focus on what he can do in our life. And so let's learn today about faith by just breaking down this story. And, uh, and we, I think we can learn about how she had faith and maybe that'll encourage us today. I want you to notice something. Jesus is passing by to do a miracle for somebody else. There's a crowd of people. There's a lot of people. And uh, how many of you think, just a question, how many of you think there was other people in the crowd there that had issues? How many of you think, I think if there were a crowd thronging Jesus, I don't think it was just this woman who had issues. But here's what we're going to learn about faith today. Let me give you four truths. Number one, grace always energizes your faith. Always energizes your faith. Listen, under the law of Moses, this is key. We've been talking a lot about the law of Moses and what it was there for, why God gave it to his people, and how we are not under law anymore. We are under grace, according to Paul. But listen to this. Under the law of Moses, because of her hemorrhaging blood, she was deemed unclean. Because she was hemorrhaging the blood, listen, she could not be around people because if she touched people, then they would become unclean. Now, when she sees Jesus passing by, she doesn't look at the law. She looks and sees Jesus as grace. Pastor Phil, how do you know that she didn't look at the law and she saw Jesus as grace. I understand this and I know that this is what she thought because in Romans chapter 4 verse 12, Paul tells us this. For if we or if those who are of the law, one translation says, are dependent on the law, what is the law? What does the law do? 
The law is about self-effort. The law is about, you know, you proving by your works that you are good enough. And it says, for if those who are of the law or dependent on the law are heirs, listen to this, faith is made void and the promise of no effect. If she was looking at the law, she would have never pushed through the crowd to Jesus. If she was looking at the law, listen, the law said, you're not even supposed to be here. So if she would have looked at the law, she would have disqualified herself from the miracle that she was about to get. Because under the law, she's not supposed to be there. Yet, my church family, this is what I love about this woman. She didn't disqualify herself. And here's what happens with many people. We allow our issues to disqualify us. We allow our issues to disqualify who we are and what God can do in our life. But listen to this. This is what's amazing. Instead of her looking at Jesus and expecting punishment because she was breaking the law, she was actually expecting to be healed, not to be punished. So when she saw Jesus, she saw healing, she saw grace. When she saw grace, faith ignited in her heart. Faith ignited in her heart. You know, the Bible says, that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What you expect is so important. I always say you get what you expect. If you were to come into church today and expect just to get some free coffee, say hi to a couple of people and go home, that's probably what you're going to get. But if you came in this, in this church this morning and expected God to do something in your life, he will meet you at the point of your expectation. Do you know what hope is? Hope is expectation. She was hoping for a miracle. She was hoping that Jesus would intervene in the issues of her life. So hope is your expectation. Let me ask you a question. What are you expecting God to do in your life today? Because the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. See, she didn't see Jesus as hard and condemning, she saw a gracious savior. And how you see Jesus is so important, my church family. Let me say it this way, how you see him will determine what you get from him. She saw a gracious savior. She didn't see somebody who was condemning her, and my church family, I think it's so important that we understand that it's only faith in God's grace that qualifies people. Everything that we receive from God, you will receive by faith in his grace. You received salvation. How? By faith through his grace. Because his grace always will energize your faith. But here's the question. What are you looking at? 
Are you disqualifying yourself? Because the reality is, is the more you look at God's grace, the more faith is energized. For some of us, we don't feel like, man, my faith is just not where it needs to be. And I would tell you, your eyes are in the wrong place. Your eyes are probably on how you're looking at yourself and disqualifying yourself. You know what we need to do is we need to put our eyes back on Jesus. You know, grace means this in the Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek. Grace means charis. Would you say that? Would you say charis? Pastor Phil, why why do you tell us these Greek words? Because next week, Mother's Day, you're going to find that this word grace is actually in another word that we use a lot of times. In the Greek, they are actually put together. But grace is God's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. You can't earn God's grace. You can't buy it. Today, if you thought, man, I'm going to give God my $5. He's going to give me some grace. (laughs) Don't work that way. You can't buy grace. You receive grace. And here's what happens. Faith is no longer a struggle when you see Jesus. See, some of us even look at our own faith. Some of us are like, well, I don't, you know, I just don't have the faith. Stop looking at you and your faith. Jesus never asked us to have faith in our faith. He asked us to have faith in him. And so we have to keep Jesus at the focus. How do I know that? Because Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Looking unto who? Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Did you know that faith was all his idea? He's the author of it. You know, when you, you think about different authors, your certain authors are just synonymous with certain things. You think about Shakespeare, you know, you think about Romeo and Juliet, you think about Hamlet, you think about, you know, those are the things that are attached to his name. For those of us that study leadership, you know, we think about Jonathan Maxwell because he's authored these great leadership books, My Church Family. When we think about Jesus, his name needs to be synonymous with faith because he's the author of it. Faith didn't start with you. You're not the author of faith. Let that encourage you. Because I hear people say, well, my faith didn't start with you. Faith started with him. It started with him. It's his faith. And I'm supposed to look to him who's the author And here's the cool thing. Not only did he author faith and he brings that to you, but listen, the Bible says he's also going to, he's the finisher of your faith. So in times when you're like, yeah, I'm full of faith. I'm ready to go. And there's other times you're like, man, it's, it's, it's just, it's tough. Let me just encourage you. God's going to finish what he started in you because he's the author. The Bible says that he who began a good work, see, God's not like us and starts stuff and then walks away and go, yeah, you know, I'll finish that. No, here's what he does. When he starts something in you, he will finish it in you. Whoo. He's a finisher. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. So here's what I got to do. I got to keep looking at him 
because he's the author and the finisher. I got to keep looking to Jesus. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, my doctor said, I understand what your doctor said, but you got to keep looking to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, this week on CNN, the news said... I don't care what CNN said. I'm looking at Jesus. Well, Pastor Phil, the essential oils instructions told me. How have you like essential oils? Right? They work like heaven, but they smell like hell. (laughs) My wife and I were jumping into bed and I fell asleep. And all of a sudden I had this smell of wood. Like wood. I was like, I thought I was in a dream and I was camping. And then I opened up my eyes and I see my wife smearing oil all over her, her hands. And I'm like, it smells like wood in here. I sleep under a roof for a reason. Oh, honey, it's essential oils. Are they really that essential? Now, if you sell essential oils, God bless you. Give me grace today. Come on, somebody. We love you. But we got to keep looking to Jesus. Oh, this is my favorite. You actually think I make these things up. But in 20 years, I've heard these. Oh, Pastor Phil, this, I was watching a YouTube video. I don't care. I have to look to Jesus, not to YouTube. I'm, I'm, I'm really amazed at how many people, well, this guy on YouTube. Well, you know what? This guy in the Bible said, this is what I'm supposed to look at. And you're going to have faith on some guy on YouTube who you don't even know? This guy on YouTube. (sighs) Keep looking at Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And here's what this woman did. Listen, she stopped looking at what was wrong with her. And she started looking at what was right with Jesus. She took her eyes off her disqualification, off her issues, off her hemorrhaging, and she took her eyes off of what was wrong with her and put her eyes on everything that was right with the gracious Savior. Come on, somebody. She was totally disqualified. She shouldn't have been there. But maybe this will give some of us hope today. Do you know that all the miracles that Jesus did while he was on the earth, do you know the people and all the people he did miracles for, none of them deserved it? None of them. None of them deserved it. You know what they simply did? They simply received their miracles because they were responding to Jesus's grace. You know what's even more interesting? What's interesting is that the people who were trying to deserve the blessings by their works, the Pharisees, they got nothing. In Spanish, we say nada. They got nothing from Jesus. And you know who got the blessings? The people that were undeserving who saw Jesus for his grace. Can I just encourage you this morning to stop disqualifying yourself? God's grace qualifies the unqualified. God's grace does. So here's what we need to understand. Number two is faith is always expressed in words. 
Now we know from the book of Mark, if you read this story in the book of Mark, what's interesting is that here she is in this crowd of people. She's hemorrhaging blood. The book of Mark tells us that she went to doctors for 12 years and she spent all the money that she had and she actually got worse. She actually got worse. Now, faith is expressed in your words. And let me say it this way too. Fear is expressed in your words. Faith is expressed in your words. Look at what she started doing. She's in the crowd and she starts saying this. She says, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. What is she doing? She's expressing her faith because when she saw Jesus, she saw grace and it ignited faith. And what is faith's expression? Faith's expression is words. That's why what you say is so important. Listen, my church family, parents, we need to speak life, speak blessing over our friends, over our kids, over our work. We need to speak you know, the Bible says that we speak those things as not as though they were. She was actually saying, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. But you know what? Let's look at what she didn't say. She didn't say, oh, I'm broke. Oh, it's been 12 years. Oh, I'm still bleeding. That's not what she was saying. That's not what she was saying. Notice, she spoke her expectation not her situation. Let me say that again. She spoke her expectation, not her situation. I'm around people who are constantly talking about their situation. And I always think in the back of my mind, at what point is that going to flip and switch and you're going to switch into faith and start talking about what you expect and your expectation instead of talking about your situation because you can talk about your situation till you're blue in the face and it will not change. But when you begin to speak faith, you begin to speak hope, you begin to express faith. Listen, she didn't say I'm still sick. She didn't say I'm broke. How, Pastor Phil, where do you get this faith is expressed in words? Well, I get this from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. It says this, and since we have the same spirit of what? Faith. The spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. Can I just tell you a secret? You are speaking what you believe. Whether negative or positive, you speak what you believe. Now, you need to understand this is how God works. God speaks and it happens. God said that let there be light. There was no light. So if, 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 <laughs> if I was standing in a dark room and you were standing next to me and I said, let there be light, you'd be like, Phil, there's no light. That's why I am speaking, let there be light. See, God speaks into something and it comes alive. And you were made in his image. That's why he told Adam, Adam, you name the animals. What you speak them to be, they will be. So Adam's in the garden, he's having to use his creative mind. Bzzz. That'll be a bee. Ooh, look at that thing fly. That'll be a fly. Adam was very creative. <laughs> B. 
But I think there's a principle here that your words have power. Your words have power and you can speak faith or you can speak doubt. Well, I just am one of those persons, I just tell it like it is. Well, how's it working for you? How's that working for you? Because that's not what she did. What she did is she spoke her expectation, not her situation. Try that with your kids. Speak your expectation over them, not just who they are. Faith is expressed in words. The Bible says this, that we are snared and we are entrapped by the words of our mouth. The Bible also says that death and life are in the power of our tongue and that we will eat the fruit of this little thing that causes so much damage. We need to speak and express faith. Are you learning about faith today? Are you learning about faith? Here's number three. Faith always results in action. How, now, let's just ask this question. How do we know she had faith? How do we know it? We know she had faith. Why? Because of what she did. She was breaking through the crowd. That's not a doubter. That's a faith-filled person. She's breaking through the crowd. See, your actions are a result of your beliefs system. You are actually living today what you believe. See, if you will believe right, you will live right. If you believe God is good, you will live a good life. But if you always live in fear that God's gonna whack you. And see, here's what happens, and maybe we'll do a teaching on this at some point, but I think we really don't understand understand the devil's role in our life and God's role in our life. It is the enemy, the Bible says, that is the accuser of the brother, of the brethren. So it's the enemy that's whispering in your ear, you're disqualified, you're a hypocrite, you're this. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, you're a hypocrite. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you is telling you you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not accusing you. The devil is the one that accuses us. And some people live like this, like the enemy's here accusing them and then God's over here with a baseball bat, right? And so the enemy's saying, you're not good enough. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought I'm not good enough. Boom, God whacks me. Why'd you think that? Oh, you're not good enough. Oh, I'm so sorry that I thought the way. Boom, God whacks me. You shouldn't have think that. And wow, what a great Christian life. And here we walk around focusing on the accuser and what he's saying about you. Can I just tell you, he is a liar. And whatever he says about you may be in your past. But the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus's blood has cleansed you and made you righteous. And God has given you his gift of grace that we respond to. And you can be real spiritual and turn to the devil and say, shut up, devil. We used to say this in the 80s all the time. When the devil reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. Just to remind him, he's the accuser. And see, right believing leads to right living. If I see God and I see him in his grace, I believe that I have faith because he gives me faith. It changes the way I live. But faith always results in action. In the book of James, 
James talking, he's talking about people who just say, well, yeah, I have faith, but they have no action. They have no works. So James says he's addressing these people in James chapter two, verse 18. And he talks about how faith produces actions in James chapter two, verse 18. Listen to what James says. He says, but someone will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Many people struggle with works. And a lot of times, here's what we struggle with. And let me help you because I believe this is going to answer a lot of our questions. James is saying you can do religious works. You can do religious acts and not have one ounce of faith. He says you can do works without faith, but here's the reality. You can't have faith without works. What is James saying to us? He's saying works without faith are just dead works. It's just dead religion. In other words, our faith produces my good works. What produces the good works in my life? My faith produces my good works. It's not for my self-effort. No, it's not. My good works grow out of my faith. The evidence of faith is action. What does faith produce? Faith produces good works. It's faith that produces the action. So how do we know this woman had faith? She's breaking through the crowd. And this is, this is what happens. This is the total difference between self-effort and godly faith. I can try in my own strength and fail. That doesn't take faith. Because in reality, I'm putting more trust in me. But faith will move you to do things you wouldn't normally do by yourself. That's why in the, in the Bible, when you see Jesus healing people and doing miracles, my church family, people were breaking through crowds. Guys were getting their friends and climbing on top of roofs and tearing the roof off. Why? Because they had faith. If we can just get to Jesus. Do you think that they were pulling the roof off of this place because they couldn't wait to get in front of Jesus so he could condemn them? They were pulling off the roof because they saw a gracious Savior and that grace inspired faith that they tore the roof off to say, I want to be in his presence. That's what happens. That's what faith does. And they lowered their friend down from this house in front of Jesus. And the first thing Jesus says is your sins are forgiven you. Then get up and walk. A guy who could never walk gets up and walk. Why? Because this is what grace does. Grace qualifies the unqualified. And people saw Jesus as grace and it motivated them, motivated to them, I want to get closer to him. What motivates a tax collector, a guy who works for the IRS, here comes Jesus, this little short guy, what motivates him to climb up to a tree to see Jesus? Do you think that he was climbing up the tree so Jesus could point out his sin? 
Even Zacchaeus knew, I want to see Jesus. You know, the Bible says Jesus saw him in that tree. What do you think Jesus saw? Jesus saw his faith. Everybody else around him is walking and somebody's climbing a tree. He's not climbing a tree out of self-effort. He's climbing a tree because his faith is moving him towards action, towards the Savior. And Jesus says, I'm coming to your house today. This is what many people don't understand. And I'm trying to make sense of it myself. Why is it that in a crowd of people, Jesus will tell one dude, I'm coming to your house. And everybody's like, oh, what about my house? I'm standing next to you. Like I've been pushing myself all the way closer to you. You're going to go, this guy climbs a tree. You're going to go to his house. You got to understand something. I love it because Zacchaeus was the worst of the worst. And Jesus sits in the middle of his house. And don't tell me that one encounter with Jesus can't change your life because you have an IRS agent, a tax collector in the presence of Jesus says, not only do I want to give back what I've stolen, I want to give more. That's faith. Move. What moves a tax collector to give back? Do you, think, do you think at some point Zacchaeus was like, I want to pay for my sins, Jesus, by giving back what I stole and giving more, I'm going to pay for my sin. Do you think it came out of that? No, it came out of a heart of faith that moved him to action because he thought in his mind, the gracious Savior is in my house. I'm so grateful. I can't stay the same. Even it's, it's just so interesting how the sinners saw grace, but the religious people saw the law and the religious people, when they saw the law, they got nothing. And the people that saw Jesus full of grace got everything. So, you know, I think most of you would probably agree with this. And as we get older, uh, and I'm saying that at 46, but I'm older than some of you and younger than some of you, but as you get older, you have less tolerance for things. And as a pastor, as I get older, you know, we can sit here and debate if you have faith or not. And this is what James was saying. If the faith that you have doesn't move you, then you need to get new faith. We could talk about how generous you, you, know, you are. You could talk about, but here's the reality. We can talk about it all day, but is there action behind what you say? Because that's how we know that there's faith. Today, I'm standing up in front of you today in faith, believing that as I plant seeds today, something's going to happen in your life. It's all faith. Sometimes I don't hear any testimonies, but I just keep doing it. But then every once in a while, we'll hear my life is changing my life. But my faith today is what's moving me. I know a lot of Christians that are sitting down and just waiting for the rapture. My church family, faith is not just a golden ticket to heaven. Faith will produce action in your life for the miracles that you need today. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're acting. And the Bible says this, faith works by love. See, now my works come out of my faith. This is what God does under grace. He changes your have to into a want to. And I've learned this by being married almost seven years now. Do you ever look at your behavior and the things and your deeds and your works that you do for your spouse. 
you do more for them and you would do more for them than you would do for anybody else. You know why? Because you love them. You love them. And that's where the labor comes. I do things for my wife that please her and they don't always please me. And here's what we need to understand about faith. Here's number four. See, faith sees God as a rewarder. The Bible says, Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, right? So if I want to please my wife, I give her something she likes. I don't give her something I like, right? I don't say, here's the new iPad that I love. Now, my son is learning this. My son's a genius. I'm just gonna be honest with you. He just is. The other day for my birthday, he came up to me and said, Dad, I want to buy you a present that you really like from Toys R Us. <laughs> he said, Dad, I want, now listen, listen to these words. I want to take you, like he can't even ride a bike, this dude, right? I want to take you to Toys R Us to buy you a gift. Listen, listen to the thought pattern so you and I can play. And when we play, you'll have something to play with me. And I'm thinking, what and how is he going to buy me a gift? He's got no job. Sometimes he doesn't even know where the toilet paper is. And I was like, son, I will go with you. And we walked through Toys R Us. We went to his favorite aisle. And this is what he said. Dad, you like that one, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy's a genius. And I'm like, yeah, I like that one. He's like, well, let's get it for you. <laughs> and I try not to laugh. And he's trying to get it. And he's like, Dad, can you, can you get that for you? I got it. He's like, let's go pay. Like, you got a credit card that I don't know about or what? And so I paid. And so every now and then when we're at home, we're like, hey, Gavin, where's, where's my toy? Where, where's my toy? But see, the reality is, is that faith pleases God. And out of faith, the Bible says it works by love. And so there's times where I'm out at Super Target. I don't go to mediocre Target. I go to Super Target. Right? Now we always call it that. There's medium size, mediocre Target on California Oaks, and then there's Super Target on off of the 215. We go to Super Target. This is how we roll. And I will get a text from my wife, and she wants me to pick up things at Super Target that are only for women. She sends me pictures of these things because I don't know what I'm buying. One of them is makeup. Number two is something that only women use and they usually only use it once a month. And she wants me, a full-blooded alpha male, to pick these things up for her. And I'm in the aisle looking at a phone, looking at those things and grabbing them and putting them with a smile on my face. 
And I go to the makeup aisle and I pick out the colors that she likes. And when I get to the cashier, there's tons of people. And the only two items that I have in my hands are makeup and other things that females only use once a month. And I have a smile on my face. And then I put them on the conveyor belt. And it only happens when I buy these things. I put them on the conveyor belt and then the conveyor belt moves very slow. And everybody is watching. And I'm standing there going, oh, I'm praying in tongues. Please, Lord, make this come here. And then the cashier asked me, did you find everything you're looking for? Yeah, yeah, I found it. I found it. It's not for me. It's for my wife. She goes, I know that. Why did I do that? Because it pleases my wife. And faith pleases God. He pleases God. And the Bible says this, and you need to understand this today as we close. You need to understand this about God. God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. But he who comes to God must believe. This is what we must believe about God. We must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Oh, there it is, Pastor Phil. See, see, if you diligently seek him, he will reward you. How about this? People who don't diligently seek him don't see him as a rewarder. That's why they don't diligently seek him. But if you understand that he is a rewarder, you will diligently seek him because he's a rewarder and you need to understand that because this is what grace does and you need to understand this is how God set it up this way and I say this because we all have church backgrounds I've heard people say you know well you just shouldn't give to get because that's the wrong motive well you know what if you don't see God as a rewarder you're not going to do anything he's a rewarder I've never met a farmer that says, yeah, I woke up this morning. We spent $20,000 worth of seed. We spread it out there, and we don't even care if we get a harvest. We just leave. Who does that? But we somehow think that's spiritual. The whole Bible talks about sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping for a purpose. I sow into Passion Life Church. You know why? And you know what I reap? I reap seeing people's lives totally change. By the gospel and his spirit and miracle. I love that. And I see that God is a rewarder. But this is what you need to know about God because this is how he set it up. Are you ready? Did you know God gives you his grace freely? Gives it to you. Did you know something else? God also gives you faith. He gives you faith. How do I know that? Romans chapter 12, verse three, it says this, for I say through the grace given to me to every man that is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, listen to this, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. So God not only gives me his grace that ignites my faith, but the faith he actually gives me as well. So God has given me here two gifts. He's given every person. Did you know you have faith today? Did you know if you open up your heart to God, he will give you faith? And that's why Paul says, stop thinking about you and your faith and how this and how that, and it's all about you. Listen, Paul's saying, look, you need to understand something. God even gives you faith. So not only does he give you faith, 
Now watch this. This woman pulls through the crowd and she, she pushes through the crowd. She touches Jesus's hem, right? She's instantly healed. Jesus does for her what no doctor could do, what her money could not do, at what 12 years could not do. Jesus does in one moment. One moment touches the hem of his garment. And I thought, how does she know how to do the hem of his garment. You know, the Bible says in the Old Testament that when Jesus would come, he would have healing in his wings. That doesn't mean that when Jesus came, he had these little wings on the back of his, of his back. That's not what it means. The Bible says that he had healing in his wings. In other words, wings in the Hebrew means tassels. So she knew if I could just touch one of his tassels, which she did. Ladies and gentlemen, there was more power in Jesus's tassel and she touched one of it, and she didn't just get healed, she got completely made whole in front of everyone. And Jesus says, who touches me? And again, here we see there's throngs of people and one person gets a miracle. You know why? In that group, there's one lady who is totally disqualified, sees Jesus as grace. And what does that grace do? It ignites her faith. And in that faith, she receives a miracle, my church family. And here's where we end. Jesus turns to her and says this. I just think it's funny. He says, know this, your faith has made you whole. You know what's interesting to me about that? Is it really was all about Jesus. But yet he turns to her and says, your faith has made you whole. When Jesus did the whole thing, all she did was respond to that grace. And what Jesus does is he, listen to this, he gives you the grace, he gives you the faith. And then when you respond to the grace and the faith, he rewards you for responding to the grace and the faith that he gave you. And here we go, oh, I did it. You didn't do it. You just responded to it. And this is the God that we serve. He is a rewarder. When you respond to his grace by faith, because that's the only way you can respond to it, guess what happens? Miracles happen. And then he rewards you for responding to what he already did. That's the God that we serve. And what faith does is it responds to receiving God's grace. And I want to just encourage you today, my church family. God specializes in qualifying the unqualified. Don't disqualify yourself. Stop looking at what's wrong with you and start looking at what's right with Jesus. Did you ever look in the Bible and see the misfits that Jesus used, that God used? He takes people with the worst issues and changes them, me included. I had a friend that cussed me out when he found out I was a pastor. He says, you're an effing liar. I can't believe you're a pastor. He's like, you were the worst in high school. And he laughed and he hung up on me. 
but it's just evidence to what God can do in a person's life. Have you ever looked in the Bible and see who he used to do incredible things? Abraham lied. Sarah laughed at the promises of God. Moses was a stuttering. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Abraham was too old. David was too young. Peter was afraid of death. Naomi was a widow. Paul was a murderer. Moses was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and and Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burned out and suicidal. John the Baptist was a loudmouth. Martha was a worry wart. Mary was kind of lazy. Samson had long hair. (laughs) Noah got drunk. And Peter, Paul, and all of them, did you look at their lives? And Lazarus, well, he was dead. And God, that's what he does. I love to say grace and faith are the terrific twins because they always work together. And here's how you know when you're flowing in grace, it's energizing your faith. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 